Okay. We're doing now Tuesday of the portion of the era. The era opens up with God's response to Moses' complaint. Why have you made it so hard for the Jewish people? I came to speak to Pharaoh, and he just made it worse. He took away the straw, and now they're suffering even more. And God says, well, I'm appearing to you with this great energy. You'll see what's going to be. Go speak to the Jews. Moses spoke to the Jews. They couldn't hear him. And now God says, go speak to Pharaoh. And the bulk of this Torah portion, of course, is the plagues. Most of the ten plagues are in this portion. At this point, God is saying, go speak to Pharaoh. And tell him to send out the Jews. And Moses said, if the Jews didn't listen to me, how in the world is Pharaoh going to listen to me? And my lips are not smooth speaking. I have a speech impediment. And then it says that God spoke to Moses about the children of Israel, about Pharaoh. And then we take a segue to go into the lineage of Moses and Aaron. And now that we finish that, we're coming back to this initial conversation that God had was having with Moses telling him to go to Pharaoh. So we're in chapter 6, verse 29. And God spoke to Moses saying, I am God, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything that I speak to you. So Rashi explains that this is the same statement that we said previously before discussing the lineage. But since we, so to speak, interrupted to trace the ancestry of Moses and Aaron, now we're picking up the thread of that conversation again. I am God. What does he mean? I'm God, obviously. No, meaning I have the ability to send you and to fulfill this words of my mission. Meaning you're saying it's impossible. Pharaoh's not going to listen. I'm God. Moses said before God, behold, I have a speech impediment. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Which again is what he said previously, how the Jews didn't listen to me and how Pharaoh's going to listen to me. But again, we're reviewing, according to Rashi's perspective on these verses, we're reviewing the points we said earlier. And as we've mentioned before, the speech impediment truly was because of the enormous spiritual energy of Moses from the world of chaos, the world of Tohu, that human lips couldn't allow that energy to flow freely. But when Moses was in Egypt, he could speak without a speech impediment. And when he spoke to Pharaoh, he spoke and Pharaoh understood him, which was a miracle. God made a lot of miracles in Egypt. And this lasted until the giving of the Torah, when God, through the giving of the Torah, cured everyone. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, and Moses could speak naturally. So God said to Moses, See, I've made you a master the word in Hebrew is Elohim, over Pharaoh. And Aaron, your brother, shall be your speaker. So Rashi says this word Elohim normally is referenced to God, but sometimes it means, in a human sense, as Rashi says it means here, obviously it doesn't mean a God, it means a judge, a ruler, to rule over him with these plagues. And Aaron will be your speaker. So as the Targum Unkwas explains this word, Miturgamancha your spokesperson. Now, the Maturgamon in the times of the Talmud was someone who would do one of two things. Either he was someone with a very loud voice that after the Hadith Yeshiva gave the lecture, 
if his voice didn't carry through the study hall, this was instead of a microphone, the metorgamon with a very loud voice would give this over, which would mean here that Aaron is giving over with very clear words what Moses said. Another function of the metorgamon was to translate the public Torah reading into an Aramaic, paraphrasing it so the general public could understand it. So from that perspective, the metorgamon would mean then that Aaron was supposed to interpret Moses' words. Maybe he said them in the holy tongue, or they were very brief, to explain the words to Pharaoh. And Rashi says here, the word for the speaker is nizi'echa. You usually think of a navi as a prophet, but the reason why the prophet is called the navi is from the concept of speech, niv, speaking, the movement of the lips. So here it doesn't mean your prophet, but again, the one who is speaking for you. You shall take everything that I shall command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh, that he should send the children of Israel from his land. So you're going to speak, obviously this doesn't mean to Aaron, because we understand Aaron has to hear your words to give them over, so it means you're going to speak once to Pharaoh, and then Aaron's going to interpret it and explain it for Pharaoh to get it. And I shall harden Pharaoh's heart, and I shall multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. So why am I hardening his heart? Because Pharaoh has behaved so wickedly, so openly opposing me. He's never going to repent sincerely. Even if it seems like he's repenting, it's insincere. It's just for me to stop punishing him. So I'm going to harden his heart, so therefore he won't even seem to repent insincerely, so I can increase all these plagues and signs and, and wonders against him, which will bring the Jews to recognize God's greatness. In other words, if there was hope that Pharaoh would sincerely repent, well, I'm not going to harden his heart. Let him, let him repent. But I know he's never going to sincerely repent. He's too wicked. So if it sounds like he's repenting, as, of course, we see throughout the plagues, whenever it sounds like Pharaoh's repenting, it was just a guise to get the plague to stop. So I was thinking, if I, didn't harden, if I don't harden his heart, he's going to sound like he's repenting. It was just to get the plague to stop. And then if I continue punishing him, it will look like weird. Like, wait, Pharaoh's repenting. Why are you punishing him? But I'm punishing him because I know it's not sincere. And this way, the Jewish people will understand the greatness of God. And God does this sometimes to bring punishment among the sinful nations. So the Jews should take this to heart. But even though God says here he's hardening Pharaoh's heart, the first five plagues, which were horrific, total destructions, Pharaoh hardened his own heart, which is... Unbelievable for us to think of the plagues of the blood and the frogs and the lice and the, the wild animals and the, the boils, the skin disease. It was obviously you're seeing here the complete hand of God. You're understanding he could wipe you out completely the same way he's wiping out everything else. And yet Pharaoh was so wicked, his, his stubborn wickedness made him somehow... Say, no, I'm not giving in. After those five, it was already humanly impossible. And for the next five, God hardened his heart. Because otherwise, he would have given very insincerely, of course, to just stop and protect himself. Pharaoh will not heed you. And I shall put my hand upon Egypt, and I shall take out my legions, my people, the children of Israel, from the land of Egypt with great judgment. It says here, I'm going to have my hand. I shall put my hand upon Egypt. And usually hand, when used by God, 
means symbolically. In the context of punishment, it usually means a plague, a blow. But here, it seems that we're looking at God's hand in a, representing an actual hand. It's metaphorical as if for an actual hand. And Egypt shall know that I am God when I stretch out my hand over Egypt, and I shall take the children of Israel out from among them. Moses and Aaron did as God commanded them, so they did. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh.